Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the scriptures for this weekend, we hear the important message of the power of prayer. And why not? Today, our universal church celebrates the great feast of Divine Mercy Sunday. And this was a feast that was initially established with Sister Faustina. She lived in Krakow, Poland. And in the 1930s, she began to have or receive apparitions from Jesus Christ. For many years, as she prayed, she received these apparitions from Jesus. Only through prayer did Jesus come to her and tell her a great message about how overwhelming and how great God's mercy and love is for us. In fact, Jesus commissioned St. Faustina to be, you could say, the evangelist or the prophet to tell the whole world how great God's mercy is for each and every one of us. In one of the apparitions, Jesus appeared to Sister Faustina and he told her to paint the image of his appearance. And it's the image of Jesus, you know, the resurrected Christ. He's wearing a white gown. And from his heart emanates or resonates two rays, one that is red and white. And they symbolize God's mercy as well as his love. And Jesus told Sister Faustina to promulgate that image throughout the entire world as a means to tell everyone of God's limitless mercy for us. And for the world. John Paul II essentially instituted this beautiful feast in 2001, and so we continue to celebrate it as the second Sunday of Easter. And yet, it was only through prayer could Sister Faustina receive these apparitions from Jesus Christ. Well, prayer is important. Prayer is important for all of us. We should be people of prayer. Now, there's a great story of a woman down south. She was Catholic, and she would go and pray every day. She would pray the rosary every day in the afternoon. And she belonged to a rural parish. Well, one day, the church air conditioning broke down, and the pastor called the repairman. Well, the repairman came, and he saw the woman praying. He didn't want to disturb her, and so he was climbing through the ducts. And finally, he found himself directly over the woman, looking at her through a duct space. So he wanted to have a little fun with her. So he said to her in a voice, he said, you know, this is God. Your prayers are answered. Well, the woman didn't hear, and she continued to pray her rosary. So he thought, well, maybe she's hard of hearing. So he said it a little bit louder. This is God. Your prayers are answered. Well, the woman didn't budge again. She continued to pray her rosary. So he thought, well, maybe she's hearing impaired. So at the top of his voice, he yelled out, this is God. Your prayers are answered. Well, the woman stopped praying. She turned her head. She never elevated it or looked up, but said, I know that, but I'm speaking with your mother. And so it is a great joke. It's a great story in which prayer is important for us all. It keeps us connected to the divine. Now, go into the gospel. Here we have the apostles. 
they see Jesus for the first time after his death, passion, and resurrection. Now, what are they doing before Jesus appears? They're together and they're praying. That's good. Prayer is the proper disposition to receive Christ. And so they're praying together. Jesus appears in their midst. They see and they believe. That's fantastic. And they rejoice too. Well, we do the same thing ourselves. Every time we gather for Mass, we, like the apostles and Sister Faustina, we gather and we pray. Our church teaches us that the Mass is the highest prayer of our church. So every weekend when we gather for Mass, we gather and we pray, like Sister Faustina and the apostles. And just like them, now we are predisposed to receive Christ, and he does appear to us. He appears to us in the form of the breaking of the bread, of his body and his blood that rests upon the altar. And we look upon the altar and we see and we believe. Now, what's the problem in the story? Thomas. Thomas, you know, Thomas, he doesn't believe. But why is that? I think it's because where he is, he's not with the apostles. Now, remember, the apostles make up the church, the formation or the foundation of our church. And yet, Thomas is away from them. He's not in the church. More to it, he's not praying. Therefore, he's not able to see Christ clearly. So, what happens? Thomas basically has that empirical attitude. You know, unless I see it, I'll believe it. Well, it's an attitude that is costly in the spiritual life. It's the empirical attitude in which we have to touch something, look at it, research it, study it, in order for us to then come to believe in it. Well, basically what Thomas is really saying, he wants God according to his terms and his ways. Well, God doesn't act that way. Now, is this empirical attitude bad? No. According or for science and technology, we need an empirical attitude. We need to, you know, open stuff up. You know, open up the hood of a car, look at an engine, you know, touch the engine, pull it apart, you know, look at all the mechanics of it, research it, study it, to then finally conclude it's an engine, and it runs, it makes the car go. See, the empirical attitude basically helps us with science and technology. Just think of it, our phones. You know, the old phone used to hang upon the wall, and it was huge, it was large. Now we carry around cell phones that fit in the palm of our hand. Or just look at flight. You know, now we can fly anywhere around the world or we can fly into outer space, you know, because of science and technology and that empirical attitude. Now, what's the mistake or the danger? When we take that empirical attitude of Thomas and we apply it to faith or the spiritual life, it just doesn't fit. You know, we can't see, touch, research, or study God. No, you know, God doesn't, isn't made that way. Instead, we turn to Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas gives that basic definition of what faith really is. He says, faith is the belief in something that is beyond reason. Well, what really is beyond reason? You know, our God, stripping himself of all of his power and majesty, being born like us, a defenseless child. In his last days in this world, he climbs upon a cross and dies in excruciating death in order to save us, and three days later he rises from the dead? Well, that's something that's beyond reason, and yet it requires faith to believe it. And so that's what is so important. That's a great lesson for us all. 
Faith is something that we can't research or study. It just requires something or a belief that is beyond reason, a belief in God. Now, next in the story, Thomas. Now he's with the apostles. Good. He's with the apostles, he's in the church, and he's praying. He's properly disposed to receive Christ. And what happens? Christ appears. Now, the beautiful thing about this story is how Jesus handles Thomas. He doesn't become frustrated or angry with Thomas. You rightfully could. Thomas has been with Jesus for three years. If there's anyone that should have a strong belief in Jesus, it should be Thomas. But he doesn't. But what does Jesus do? He comes to Thomas at his level of faith. And I think that's what God does to all of us. He comes to Thomas at his level of faith in order to raise him up, to strengthen his faith. You know, each and every one of us are on different levels of faith. Some of us are strong, some weak, some medium. It doesn't make a difference where we're at. What makes a difference is Jesus comes to us through prayer, through Mass. Christ appears to us. And he takes us at our level in order to raise us up, to strengthen our faith. And that's what's so important. That's what he does with Thomas and each and every one of us. Now, Thomas, he's an interesting figure in the Bible. So many people can identify themselves with Thomas. Why? Because he doubts. You know, we all have doubts in life. You know, with these recent terrorist attacks in Brussels, we doubt. You know, where was God in all this? Or maybe it's an unexpected diagnosis, strained relationships, maybe unemployment. We doubt. Where is God in this? And so we do have doubts. Even as priests, sometimes we have doubts. It's just part of being human. But what's important is we remain in the church. And we remain in the church and praying. Why? Because Jesus appears to us. We look upon that altar and we see Jesus, his body and his blood. And we see and we believe. That's why Thomas makes that great profession of faith, my Lord and my God. You know, that is probably the greatest profession of faith in all of the Gospels. And it's made by doubting Thomas because God has taken him and raised him up to a new level of faith. Well, God does that for us, each and every one of us. Now, we may know people that have strayed away from the church, you know, that have left the church for one reason or another. And what happens? They feel this spiritual malaise. They feel like they're spiritually adrift. They don't have purpose or meaning in life. What do we have to do? Get them back in the church, just like the apostles did with Thomas. Get them back in the church, back praying at Mass. Because then, then like Thomas, then they will see and believe. Then they will make that great profession themselves, my Lord and my God. And then the Lord will take them and raise them up to a new level of faith. And that's all that God wants from each and every one of us. And see, that's why this is such a powerful gospel. See, that's why the true, the true essence, you know, Christ is truly seen or best seen in the church when we pray. Sister Faustina saw that when she prayed. The apostles saw that in the gospel for today. And we see it every week when we gather at our churches on weekends to gather for Mass and pray, we truly see the clearest expression of Jesus. And we see and we believe. And we profess, like Thomas, my Lord and my God. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.